0: Hey, what's up? This is Silenos from Dimmer and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, hey,
1: what do you say? This is Bobby with some overkill, and that's right, I am on Iron City Rock. All right!
2: Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. In episode 76 of the Iron City Rocks podcast, we're going to be taking a look at two metal shows that will be coming into the Pittsburgh area within the next few weeks. The first show is Demu Borger, which is a uh, black metal symphonic band uh, who's been gaining quite a bit of uh, popularity throughout the world. Got a new album ca- out called Abra Hadabra. We're going to be uh, talking to Salinos, who is one of the founding members and guitarist. They'll be coming to Mr. Small's on November 12th with special guests Enslaved, Blood Red Throne, and Dawn of Ashes. So before we get into that interview, we're going to play a song from Blood Red Throne from their newest album out on Earache Records. This is called The Light, The Hate. Then we're going to play a new song from Dumu M- Borger, which is called Gateways, and then we'll get into the interview. So again, this is Blood Red Throne. <laughs>
3: D'Amour it's Salnaz, how are you today?
0: I'm fine, man, how are you guys?
3: Excellent, excellent. Um, You guys are going to be coming into Pittsburgh on the 12th of November, uh, doing a show with Enslaved, Blood Red Throne, and Dawn to Ashes. So I wanted to take the opportunity to kind of introduce uh, those in Pittsburgh who may not be familiar with kind of the phenomenon that is D'Amour Um, You guys have had some really great chart success with a new album, but I wanted to kind of back up uh, to you growing up in, you grew up in Norway, correct?
0: yeah sure, sure.
3: um, you guys are a little bit maybe you know maybe I don't know if you want to call it a new wave of of black metal or I um, mean obviously your your sound has been defined as sort of symphonic black metal, but do you guys kind of associate yourself with the the you know the whole black metal movement of the early early
0: nineties uh you know that's I guess that's where we kind of come from uh both mentally and uh historically, but uh I would say that we've always been a band that has way you know we've kind of been on the yeah. outside of uh, of everything else so uh um and that's something that we we still are so uh sure yeah yeah i mean you guys the one thing i noticed i
3: mean obviously you know you listen to some of the early records from like varg and things like that and it's a very stripped down sound and obviously your sound is much more a uh, robust and, and with the uh, advent of orchestration and things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean our
0: uh, our sound in the beginning was also pretty stripped down, but that was due to uh, obviously low budget uh, recordings and stuff like that. So um, it's, uh, it's a bit cool. different now, but you know we we really require a, a decent sound to have everything uh, come come through in in the sound pictures. So um, that's just how we make our music, and we uh, sure.
3: Yeah, yeah, which is good. I mean, it's good to put an individual stamp. I mean, you can be part of a, a style of music without being, you know, pigeonholed only using right. Well, low, low budget
0: amplification and that, that's everything. also a good thing about us that uh, it's very difficult for people to uh, to put us into uh, one certain category. You know, because we have so many different types of ingredients uh, musically mm-hmm. that. Uh, uh, and that's the strength of the band, you know, and in a way it keeps people confused, at, at least the people who are so determined to uh, to label our music, you know. Yeah, yeah, I
3: agree with you completely. Now, now growing up, um, what kind of influences on your guitar playing
0: um, were there? Well, I would say, you know, um, the guys in Judas Priest and Maiden, um, Chris Holmes from Wasp, um, you know, they're all... all Old timers. <laughs> well, back then they weren't old timers, but they're sure. they're the type of players that I've been look, looking up to and, and still do. You know, uh, so um, I mean, there's there's quite a few really new great players around today as well. You know, you get Jeff Loomis from Nevermore, you get um, Moises from Crisian. You know, there's there's tons of guitar players that
1: really are.
0: Something special and something extra. So uh yeah. it's cool mean. that the metal scene still produces great players.
3: Yeah, amen to that. I, I will say you were the first person to mention Chris Wasp or um Chris Holmes from Wasp when I uh went for an <laughs> influence. But I mean that is, it is so true. I mean, uh, you you and I are roughly the same age and I mean and his playing had a very profound impact on me growing up, but I don't think a lot of people give him his due, so that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah um you guys um obviously being abandoned in the 90s and and a lot of the notoriety for lack of a better word of the the church burnings and Euronymous and deaths and uh, all those events of the of the early 90s was that were you guys kind of mixed up in that or did you, you try to distance yourself from that or is it just kind of what it was and that's what life in oslo was like well i guess we
0: had a fair share with the with both the police and, and, uh, and the local, uh,
1: sure.
0: local people, you know, uh, but we, uh, we, as you say, we try to distance ourselves from, from all that criminal bullshit, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why we, we made it to where we are now, you know, we didn't get dragged into, uh, to negative shit and that's, yeah. we, we, we totally focused on the music yeah which is which is uh
3: see to your credit it's hard to make good albums unfortunately when you're in jail <laughs> right so, um is there truth that you had worked in a kindergarten at one point
0: um yes um i was sent uh, for uh for uh after school uh activities and uh, okay. yeah so that was quite entertaining um i did yeah, that for that's... about a year or so and uh like, you know, I like kids so it was uh it's funny to see uh how it is when you when you're a grown grown up and then uh, go back to uh the kindergarten and uh get in touch with your uh <laughs> uh yeah Child, childhood
3: Child, yeah it's exhausting okay, yeah. I as as a parent of a kindergartner it's exhausting is what it is. Um yeah, yeah. Now you do a lot of the the writing and the the lyrics and stuff for the band. Uh, I mean, do you look for different things for inspiration, or what what kind of spurs your ideas? Do, do
0: you do riffs first, lyrics later, vice versa? Well, it all depends. I mean, uh, for this album, uh, I had most of the lyrics finished before we started making music. Um, so uh, yeah, it all depends. But um, it could be anything that triggers your imagination or or your uh, ideas you know and uh it's it's nothing in particular but obviously i draw a lot of uh inspiration from from uh from the dark self and what i see around me you know and uh to me that's not a negative thing you know it might sound like it's something negative but i use that uh to uh construct something uh something positive you know and and challenge it uh channel it in. um in a positive way so when it comes out in the music later on that's when you you see the result of your uh... creativity
3: oh, now do you um, personally get involved with the orchestration and the arrangement or how does how does that element of the muse sound come to be i mean do you guys put it down on as a, as a band and then add the orchestration later or is that all kind of yeah pretty much i
0: mean we have um... we of course demo every song that we we have finished written and uh we bring along the the conductor who uh then transcribe our orchestral ideas into uh, into notes so uh I mean there's so many layers that the orchestra needs to to play and there's a lot of work to, to just write down the notes in in those layers and parts so um that's how you know it's gonna sound big and epic you know and even the demo versions of the songs that we have uh, sounded pretty, um, pretty huge. So, but uh, it's once you put the orchestra and choirs on there, the real stuff. Then that's when you, a whole new dimension opens up. You know. Yeah, I
3: mean, I, one of the things that impressed me about it is, is you know, for the, the genre of thrash and black metal, you know, it's it's very in your face, and I notice in some of the tracks, you know, there's almost, yep. if I'm mistaken, no guitar, and you're listening to an orchestra with, you know, kicking double bass, and like, wow, this right is like metal with no guitar. Right, and, right. You know, I think sometimes uh, a lot of guitarists, and I'm guilty of this, is silence is, is scary, you know, but, you know, to actually stop playing with you guys, pull it off, and, you know, let that song breathe in that respect is is very impressive um cool, cool. You want to talk a little bit about the, some of the lineup
0: changes to the band prior to to uh, Abraham Not really <laughs> Uh we have uh, we have had so many lineup changes in the past and it's it's not going to go away so it's you know what's important for us now is to just focus on what we're doing right now and what we're going to do in the future we try not to uh to look back too much you know um Everyone that has been through the band over the years has has paid their dues and and helped the band come to the level that we're at uh, right now. But uh, uh, we try not to, uh, to focus too much on, on on the lineup changes. Although it has ended up in uh, for us, but during when lineup changes happen, it's extremely frustrating and it's really something that pisses you off and. Um, that's yeah. so yeah. Certainly what's important is that people look at, at, at the album as a full product, you know, as a as a whole thing instead of uh oh he's not there, he's not there, oh he's there. It's like in the end that's not what's count and it's mm-hmm. it's the music that counts, you know. It's okay. like look at KISS for example, you know, it's there wouldn't be a KISS without Gene Paul, but right. uh so fair enough, but the, it, it's it's still a kiss without Ace Frehley and Peter Chris, if you know what I mean.
3: Yeah, and you can make the argument there wouldn't be a kiss without Bruce Kulick and Eric Carr, right? Had they right. not come in and carried on the torch. Who
0: knows? Right. So that's that's in next. It's, it's all here. up a uh, subjective uh, opinion, you know, and people mm-hmm. have their own. So and that's fine. Yeah. No. Um. As
3: far as recording the album, did you do that uh, back home, or did you? Where did? Where was the album actually recorded?
0: uh can you say that again
3: the line is weird, where uh, where did you actually um record the album oh well, the
0: recording we uh we did it in in uh, in different studios actually and uh um did the drums and vocals in in sweden uh we did uh the guitars and bass and some overdubs in in norway actually and that was the first time we recorded in norway since ninety six i think uh so that was of course really pleasant and uh, and laid back and you know and we took um took the whole album to England and Andy this in uh, in Derbyshire and and uh, mixed it there so yeah it was uh, it's the first time we have done things in different in different places and uh, I think that really helped the album a lot because in the past we've been stuck in the same studio for months you know and you get cabin and, yeah uh, and and a lose uh the overview on things so this time we took it in turns and we had time off in between the different recording sessions, so that was good.
3: You know, obviously, um, Nuclear Blast has been very good, I think, at, in, in an age where a lot of record companies don't do much in the way to promote a new album. I think Nuclear Blast has done an exceptional job of getting the album out in front of people, but um, were you guys um, pleased at how well? I mean, it seems you know, for a, a, kind of a niche metal genre, you guys have enjoyed pretty tremendous success over the last few albums. Does that come as sort of a surprise, or is it just, you know, long time coming?
0: The thing is that um, when you're in a band at this level, um, the band needs to focus on what they do, which is making the music and have that ready, and then the record label takes um, just the, the other 50%, if you know what I mean, and there's a generation that that needs to work perfectly if if it's going to be a successful thing sure so but um the the record label has done tremendous job for us uh, in the past and on this record, so uh it's really difficult these days you know with uh with how things have turned out in the music business, but uh, if you compare it to other labels and bands, I think they do a fairly good job. <laughs>
3: Sure. Yeah, yeah, they're wise in that you've got so many different editions. If you buy it on iTunes, you've got one thing. You buy it at Fye, you've got another thing. So that's really, really good idea. As far yeah. as the live show, um, no obviously you're you're not bringing you know an orchestra of, of this ma- magnitude on the road with obviously you. Obviously,
0: um, that that'll be um, a logistic nightmare, and uh, <laughs> and uh, according to to popular belief that we are millionaires, <laughs> yeah. um, we we would have the money to do that shit. So sure, it's um, but um, you know we it, when we play live, it's obviously a live uh, band playing. Mm-hmm. So and uh, it's a good thing with this band is that you you have two versions of it. Basically, you have the album band, which is uh, which is kind of the the perfect side of the band then uh, live we make up for maybe what is needed on, on an album setting which is you know uh, the, the aggression or the brutality of the band maybe comes across a bit better live than it does on the album so it kind of, kind of weighs, weighs up for each other
3: yeah so you've almost got two different facets of the band That's right here yep. well I want to but thank the whole you point, uh, the
0: whole point about playing live is also to, to sound a little bit different because if you do something different live than than from the album then.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. Really? Yeah. Exactly. Give them a different experience. Well, Sanos I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to uh talk to us and we look forward to seeing you in town this weekend.
0: We too. Looking forward to it.
2: Alright, the song you just heard was called Prototype Death Machine by Bona by Blood. Bona by Blood will be coming into Pittsburgh on November 18th to play Diesel with uh, Gamma Bomb, Evil, Forbidden, and the legendary Overkill. So what we're going to do, we're going to play a couple more songs from Bands on the Bill that night, and then we're going to talk to the man behind Overkill, Bobby Blitz. So... What we're going to do now, we're going to play a song from Evil called Infected Nations, and then we're going to follow it up with a song from Gamma Bomb called Slam Anthem. Uh, probably one of the coolest song titles I've heard in quite a while. Uh, both those albums, as well as Bonded by Blood, are available on E-Rake Records, so we want to thank them for participating in the show. Again, this is Evil with Infected Nations, and then Gamma Bomb with Slam Anthem, and then we're going to get into the interview with Bobby. <laughs> i that was Slam Anthem from Gamma Bomb, available on Earache Records. Before we get into the interview with Bobby, we're going to take uh, a moment to invite you to come to our website, ironcityrocks.com. You can find information about what's going on in the Pittsburgh music scene. Bands coming to Pittsburgh, bands from Pittsburgh playing shows. Uh, there's a pretty detailed concert calendar. We're running some contests uh, and the such. So again, it's www.ironcityrocks.com. You can follow us on Twitter. And Facebook by searching for Iron City Rocks as well as MySpace. And right now you'll find links on all of the social networks to the nominations for the first annual Iron City Rocks Pittsburgh Music Awards. We invite you to come and vote for bands on a bunch of different categories, including not only Best Band, but Best Blues Band, Best Metal Band, Progressive Rock Band, as well as Best Guitarist, Best Singer, Best Bass Player, Best Keyboardist, Best Drummer best promoter and a whole myriad of other topics that kind of blanket Pittsburgh so this is your chance uh, commercial free not sponsored by anybody Um, this isn't going to be run by a bunch of judges and other bands and musicians that are going to be picking it this is for you the fans to vote for who you like best no advertising just your vote so again that's ironcityrocks.com you can find links all over Facebook and Twitter for the nominations nominations close on the last day of November and then the top uh, three nominated bands will compete uh, in the month of December for the uh, grand prize which is the uh, w- the uh, first ever Iron City Rocks music award for each of those categories and then we'll do a show in January to uh, kind of debut all the winners so I invite you to check that out again ironcityrocks.com all right here's a new one from overkill and then we'll get into the interview with Bobby Blitz <laughs>
0: going to talk a little bit about the new
1: album and
3: uh, you know what you guys are doing on the road and stuff like that. What's cool with you?
1: Well, the new album is uh, it's called Iron Bound. It was released in uh, early 2010. We've been on the road on and off since its release, uh, starting our tour in Europe in uh, February, uh, covering territories uh, such as the U.S., uh, coast to coast. Uh, we've been to Asia with it, uh, Australia, South America, and will actually be heading back to Europe for a second run uh, come February 2011. So I think uh, based on the, oh, the the wide acceptance of the record, uh, there seems to be a real busy touring year for us. Um, I think Ironbound has been accepted by people uh, based on, let's say, its old-school roots, uh, but um, its contemporary feel. So it seems to be a blend of the both, it has value in 2010, not just a throwback, uh, but still at the same time it is uh, a reinvention of that old school or that past. Yeah, I know. When I listen to the album, the, the band accepts the new album. It's, it's one of the. I drew a lot of
3: parallels there. You guys have kind of, kind of reinvented yourself by going to almost a classic
1: sound, and it,
3: you know it sounds very, very fresh, very contemporary, but it still sounds like Overkill.
1: Well, you know, I, I think that's the key. I mean, you know, the idea about reinvention is still keeping your identity. Um, that's, you know, in our opinion, a successful uh, reinvention. Uh, you you don't want to uh, go in as overkill and come out as Band X. You want to come out yeah. as overkill and be identifiable. So. And, and I think that's the key to a successful record. And, and in, you know, in my opinion, Ironbound has... Uh, that type of a vibe. Uh, identifiable to Dee Dee's riffs, identifiable to my voice, stage guitar playing, uh, Overkill, just that simple. Yeah, now, the writing process for the album, is this, um, can you kind of give us
3: uh, kind of an idea of how the songs kind of come out? Is it, is it a jam thing, or does someone bring a riff to the band, or, you know, you do the lyrics first, or they do the music first, or how does that all kind of come together?
1: Well, I, you know, the, the general way of doing it is uh, it starts... Uh, with Dee Dee, um, with regard to the riff, um, you know, but that's always a skeletal version of the song. It's got to go through a lot of transition before it's done. Uh, you know, if you liken it to a house, it's uh, the foundation. And by the time the house is done, that's having the roof put on it. But you know, in the interim, there's a hell of a lot of work that goes on between that riff or that skeletal version of the song and making the house inhabitable or putting that roof on it. Uh, so that's the general way it starts, is with Didi, uh, with those skeletal versions of songs. And then it goes through, uh, let's say, massive transition until it gets to me with regard to roofing it and finishing the uh, uh, you know, finishing the song, finishing the project. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Uh, for instance, I can bring to the party uh, a melody, uh, and that's kind of, uh, let's say, building the house backwards for us. Uh, where they'll start with that melody um, and then put uh, a skeletal version of a song underneath that. So, so there is no set way, but primarily it starts with the riff, and that's with Dee Dee. Now, Did you guys go, um, did you do it at someone's Home Studio,
3: or was this done at uh, you know, one of the bigger studios, or what kind of arrangements <laughs> did you have?
1: Well, uh, Dee Dee's actually owned the studio for, um, for about a 10-year period now. Okay. Uh, and it 's a it 's a professional grade it's um, it 's it's not something in the basement that uh is used to demo this is uh, he 's cut records out of here besides overkill records um, but that gives us a great luxury i mean it's you know it's it, it, it first of all it keeps the money in the family uh, yeah second of all second of all, it gives us a luxury of time uh that it 's not you know I remember the early days where we 'd schedule a month and you had that month or you could run out of cash. Um, you know, in this case, if you say, hey, wait a second, it's just not coming. It's just we're just not getting uh, the right vibe we want for the song. We can put the tools down, uh, come back the next day, come back the next week. Um, in some cases, uh, with DD studio, uh, to get a better feel for the vocals, I've, uh, we've scheduled touring in between recordings, so I could be out on the road thinking uh, when I got back to the studio that the last thing I was doing was live. Because uh, you can't fake that. I mean, you have to have, you can't fake a live vibe. You have to um, have right. just recently done it to make it happen.
3: Yeah, I'm sure going out on tour and seeing the, seeing different countries and cities and stuff gives you lots of things to write about. Plenty of, sure, sure. Know, yeah. news and things like that. Now, you've had some, um, you know, looking back through your career, you've had a couple of health scares. Uh, is everything going well now?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in good shape. I mean, it's, you know, these were uh, obviously the cancer thing was years ago. We're talking like uh, I've been clean for over a ten year period with that, um, and any other thing was just really mild. I mean, it was, you know, I don't have the outlet to say that it was uh, blown out of proportion, uh, but it really was to some degree because it was, it was generally mild. It was what's called a TIA. It's like lights off, lights on. Kind yeah. of thing. It was. It wasn't uh, shaking around or paralyzation. You know. Yeah. I. I was walking within hours afterwards, yeah. and by the next day, could just feel the damage I had done by falling, as opposed yeah. to w- what had happened to uh, to to my brain. It took me about three. Three months to kind of fully recover from the fall I took because I I took a header off the top of the stage that was more damaging than than the actual stroke itself. So, but my uh, yeah my situation has been great you know and I and I've never looked at uh, either of those situations as being you know, anything but a small detour. It's, uh, you know, people have problems, and I just happen to fall into that people category like the rest of us. So, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, if I if I start thinking, you know, oh, what what would happen, uh, you know, if I continue touring, you know, was it the strobe lights? Um, you know, one doctor had told me it was the strobe lights. I'm like, dude, this is what I do. You know, uh, it would make me that much more unhappy to be, you know, running a different type of business behind a desk. I, I rock and roll, I... I thrash. Uh, I make music, and and uh, I've been lucky to do it for this amount of time with with no real setbacks.
3: Yeah, I have to imagine that uh, you'd probably rather, you probably know, don't have to worry about strobe lights and you know being a coal miner or something like that. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, it's,
1: it's you know this is, this is a great life too.
3: Yeah. Now the um, the tour you're going to be doing, you guys are going to be touring with um, kind of a, a pretty big package: Forbidden, mm-hmm. Evil, Gamma Bomb, and Boned by Blood. A lot of. Newer bands with what I would consider kind of a classic thrash sound. So that sounds like a really good package. Are you guys going to be doing kind of a full
1: 90 plus minute set, or because of the number of bands, a little shorter? No, we're we're doing our full set. I mean that's that's just the way it is. I mean this is a, you know in my opinion the way to go out and tour because um, you know you don't incorporate new 45 year old thrash fans. If you're 45, <laughs> you're either in or you're not in. Uh, but you do incorporate younger ones, uh, and the buzz on the younger bands right now, the Gamma Bombs, uh, the Eviles, etc., uh, it's real positive. Um, it's, uh, to some degree, almost a tribute to what the 80s were, um, and I do think sure. that you're starting to see bands like Evile take on uh, personality, more so of their own than bands that are just specifically uh, tributized to the older bands. Uh, but this helps us. They, they give us legs uh, because of the interest in them. Uh, you can, we can increase our fold uh, by the younger thrash fans coming in to see the younger bands who say, you know, then you see Overkill, Forbidden, and they go, ah, now I get it. Now I understand yeah. where it came from. So, so it's a unique time uh, in musical history. I, you know, I've never actually, in, in my lifetime, seen something repeat. I've seen something come back as a trend. Uh, but this is actually repetition because we still exist, as does Testament and Exodus, um, Death Angel and Forbidden, uh, but the new bands also exist uh, simultaneously. So it's kind of a unique uh, historical situation right now with regard to this music.
3: Yeah, and it's got to be quite a, a testament—no pun intended—to the style of music that you guys do. That you know, there's a whole new generation of 20-somethings playing. You know, you throw the Gamma Bomb CD on, and it doesn't sound out of place. Um, you know, with some of your older material, you mentioned Death Angel, Testament, a lot of those bands. So it's it's really great to see. And you know, there's more than just metalcore bands out there, so it's really refreshing.
1: Um,
3: one no, one of the things that, I agree. If, I agree. I would be remiss not to ask. There was a discussion, and I did not see it because I, I don't typically watch it. But a discussion came up on that metal show on VH1 about a fifth band, the Big Four. Uh, how do you see Overkill's legacy in that regard, or do you even bother to think about it?
1: You, you know, I, I don't because I, you know the the reason I do what I do is because I'm happy doing it. it it's not about. Uh, not about paying attention to any kind of politic or what, you know, somebody else's house, I'm keeping my own porch clean. And I I really think that that's uh, why uh, I personally enjoy this, that this is of no consequence to me. I mean, sure. It's a great compliment that we come up in that conversation, but it doesn't change the philosophy I've had for 25 years because that philosophy has obviously worked for me um, and I can count my success in those days Um, As opposed to Metallica, you can count it in the number of cities they own, (laughs) but it's it's still um, successful uh, in my my eyes because, you know, I I think if a guy or a man lives his life the way he wants to live his life, uh, that becomes a huge amount of success. Uh, as opposed to you know where he's ranked, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, if you want to fly planes, uh, fly planes, uh, whether they be small ones or big ones, you're still in the air. That's that's mm-hmm. what matters. Um, so so it, you know, in my opinion, I don't pay attention. I, I did see the show, and, and and honestly, the biggest kick I got out of it was um, when Ed Trunk had said uh, that I was the hands down the best frontman in Thrash. And it wasn't that that, uh, that got my attention, but it was the reaction of Phil Anselmo. <laughs> <laughs> Going, "Fucking you say it out and sitting right in the fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent.
3: Yeah, one of the things you bring up that is certainly true is that you've got, obviously, a real love for what you do. And, and you see some of the, of the bands that may have gotten a, you know more commercially successful, but I mm-hmm. don't know that I would envy the amount of stress that goes with that. And I think you know, several of the the big four members have kind of crumbled under their own
1: success sometimes. So you know, it, the you, day. know it, you know, I uh, my my partner said it once and uh, somebody had asked me in an interview, uh, would you rather have been in a band that hit uh, like Twisted Sister or would you rather have done something like Overkill did? And they compared Twisted because we're you know, relatively from the same area. And sure. uh and he and said, uh, no, it's it's all about overkill, man. Well uh, and then the, the the second part of the question was but you would have had great success and never have had any kind of financial worries in your life. He you said, "Yeah, but I had so many more songs to write." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that that really kind of sums it up, you know, that if you have that kind of philosophy uh, to move forward with what you do, then that that what you're doing is therefore valid. Um, and sure. and I, I think that that's the feeling Overkill has always had.
3: Excellent. Well, Bobby, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show, and we're looking forward to seeing you guys.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. We'll see you in Pittsburgh then. Again,
2: Overkill will be in town on Thursday, November eighteenth, playing at Diesel with Forbidden, Evil, Gamma Bomb, and Bonded by Blood. Uh, you can check out uh, ElkoConcerts.com to get your tickets. Uh, they're twenty and twenty-five bucks for a show that's going to be starting at six o'clock. So you're going to have a long night of some great thrash metal, a lot of which is in the kind of old school thrash vibe. So. Again, check us out at ironcityrocks.com. You can look for the uh, nominations for the Iron City Rocks Pittsburgh Music Awards. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen and check us out. Take care.